from Nation Media Group. This is Nation Reports Podcast. Weather patterns have changed. Lake waters are rising. Land has become drier. 60% of the Turukanas are pastoralists. But women do not own livestock. Even on the brink of starvation, they cannot sell a single cot for money to buy food. I am Mora Oberia. This is Nation Reports Podcasts. Women here in Turukana have to walk long distances to fetch water from water points. Sometimes they don't get water on the first trip. Other times, the herders determine when they fetch water. In this episode, I wander for hours with Lolio Ekal. She is a Turukana woman and I've always wondered how life in Turukana must be like with all the talk of climate change. This is her story. On March 8th, I woke up at 4 a.m. to hot temperatures of 27 degrees Celsius. I arrive at her homestead at 5.30 a.m. Somewhere in there, we get lost in the plains. On our journey, one sees clearing of acacia trees. Those trees are gold here. They are firewood and they are also burnt for charcoal. Lolo Ekao walks for two kilometers to Kode Kode Water Point. Today, we join her in this trek. She has left her two grandchildren without breakfast. She hasn't taken any herself. We are at the water point, but there's no water. At this water point, usually the community has a free access to water. There is a tank that stores water which is pumped from a borehole in Nakukolas, about 5.1 kilometers away. There's also a water fetching area and concrete water troughs for the livestock. At this point, you start seeing the determination of Lolio and the women here. They must get water. They tell me they have been here since 1 I watch as two women try to draw out water from the taps using their mouths. One woman draws the water and covers the tap with her thumb. The other draws it out into a barrel. They will do this for more than an hour to fill a 20 liter gallon. This is Kochodin Assistant Chief Ikiru Alokas. He says the county government or Turukana is supposed to pump water using an installed diesel generator since Tala Oil handed over the project in 2019. But that hasn't happened. Oh, so Tala like you project. Okay. When when did they hand over? almost now took three years. Three years, so that is 
they so hiyo mafuta ni ni county government inafaa kuweka. Hiyo mafuta bado ni wakati tukaandika barua tukasema sasa kama county government au city na hiyo nini. Alafu na hii maji bado ni talo ndio pia unatumia kwa hii kabia bado ina sustain mambo ya wells. Mm. Unajua hii mafuta ibaki hapo lazima hiyo na preserve. Hii maji ndio inasaidia mambo ya pressure pia. Mm. Bado tunashare au na maintain wakileta tu mafuta yao kuna wakati wana pump sasa. Mm. Wanajua hii maji tukipump community pia wanapata. Mm. Sasa wana pump wanajasha kwa nini wanaendelea tu kwa ile muda hiyo mafuta yao inakatika. Ikisha wanatia hapo. Jaribu kupiga tena napigia Until ile siku yenye watarudi tu kupamba tena wakipigia simu wanakuja na mafuta. Lakini tuko na plan hizi ambazo tunajaribu kupata ndio ambazo zatusaidia atusimamia mambo ya token. Tunataka kuinstall steam. So the community is left at the masses of Tala Oil Company. When they pump their own water for industry use, the community then and only then can get some water. Watu hapa wataweza kulipa steam i asked this question to Nadio Clement, Turukana County Climate Change and Environment Director by phone. Uh, can we speak now? Yes, we can talk. Okay. Um you told me what His response was a little vague and I quote. The county has so many gensets across the county. He continues. I'm not really sure because I don't understand why the county government cannot secure diesel for the generator. He blames Tala Oil for launching unsustainable water projects that are too costly for the county to manage. And already it's experiencing the effect of climate change. I really want to get to the bottom of this. So I reached out to Franklin Juma, associate general counsel and external affairs manager at Tala Oil by email and made follow-up calls. On February 17th, he told me the managing director will be in the country in the coming week and he preferred to have a meeting with me to explain the context of the work. In the meantime, myself and Ekal will return to her homestead. Her home has three Akija dome huts. The first on the right is her kitchen Main house is in the middle and the store on the left. She also has a utensils rack in the form of a raised dome structure in front of her kitchen. It's beautiful, a work of marvel and a functional space. A cow collects goat poops. Next on her assignment for the day is another 2 km walk to the site where she burns charcoal. A cow had on the previous day put on fire a log of a kija tree that she says fell after being destroyed by some ants robo beling fe fe ya ale mulu bang maroga ga ale ale mulu boy pochane aya uchi akane ke ngurunguru bokane ya maima ya mat ada uli bocha she tells me good pops helps in regulating the burning of logs into charcoal instead of ashes When we return to Homestead, a car shows us a white gunny bag containing less than 2 kilograms of millet flour, a relief food package she received a week ago. She says it will last her one more week. We rest behind her stall before three other women join us and we engage in a relaxed talk. 
The women tell me they know themselves as Raya, who live in another world called India Kenya. By this, they mean they are poor, with zero education and little exposure. They see themselves as locals who reside in an undeveloped country, outside the developed country called Kenya. These women know how culture has trapped them in a cycle of food poverty and how inaccessibility to water has stripped them the right to minister dignity. Men, they say, they value the livestock so much that they cannot leave behind even a single one to milk or sell. That livestock is only for paying dowry. None of the three women was left with money or a goat when their husbands left with the livestock to pasture fields near River Takwal in Kainuk area. Another woman, Ekal Gipeyok, says, when women and girls are on their menses, they remove their underwear or soil clothes to dry out and wear them again. They only wash them and take a bath without a soap at the water point. A girl asks us to allow her to sleep until 4 p.m. when we return to Gode Gode Water Point for the second trip. When we arrive at the water point, I observe that it has become a source of conflict between the women and the herd. A tribe of goats trip into the water point. The young man with the goats stands on the water fishing area. As the girl nears, he tells her it is time for the livestock to quench their thirst. The water is being diverted to the concrete water traps. Only after finishing watering their animals that the women and the girls will have their turn. This one bites a cow's head off. The competition for water further exposes women and girls to gender-based violence. The young herder at the water-fetching area slaps hard on the head. A girl who tries to open one <laughs> A returns home to find her grandchildren sitting outside her hut, looking frail and hungry. She's saddened by their look and opts to make them porridge before she impacts on the second trip to the Chakobaning area to check on the progress. She fills a quarter of her medium sophoria with water and mixes it with about three tablespoons of flour upon boiling. Thereafter, she serves the grandchildren and takes a few scoops of the porridge. She later places the raining near the fireplace and covers it with a bigger sufferia. She says they will eat it before they go to sleep. A 
quarter to 6 p.m., she leaves for the charcoal burning area with her 10 kilogram sack of goat poops and a panga on her hand. This is just one day in the life of a cow as a Rukana woman. A day full of unimaginable hard work, finding water from dawn to dusk, seeking economic survival through burning of charcoal, and exposed to GBV as women here have to negotiate every single minute of their lives with herders who place livestock ahead of women's <laughs> This episode was produced by Kevin Miner and James Mott. It was written by Maura Oberia with help from James Mott. It was edited and engineered by Kevin Miner. Our podcast editor is James Mott. Special thanks to our gender editor, Dorcas Muga Odumbe. Nation Reports, only on Nation Africa.